Well, good morning. What a privilege it is for uh, me to be here with you this morning and uh, studying God's Word with you. I understand from Pastor Scott that you've been doing a series on the Trinity. And so when he asked me to come and preach today, he asked me if I would would uh, do the last part of the series uh, dealing with the Holy Spirit. So uh, let's see what we can learn about the Holy Spirit today and what God teaches us in His Word and, and a lot of different passages we can look at, but I want to look at one in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14 this morning. Uh, uh, take a look at that with you and see what we can learn from that. And you will notice in this Gospel of John, which I believe uh, you've been focusing a lot on the Gospel of John is that here in chapter 14, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. And and, uh, it's a a hard teaching to understand. And so he goes on in chapter 15 and 16 to talk about that some more so that the disciples and all of us will understand why the Holy Spirit needs to come and what the role is of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And so uh, we're going to just focus on that this morning and on some uh, other passages of Scripture that we'll look at and some, some of what we teach in the Confessions about the work of the Holy Spirit. And before we do that, let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for the privilege of coming and worshiping with you. And we thank you, Father, so much for your word, your authoritative word that you speak into our hearts. And we ask this morning that you will open our ears to understand what you want us to hear and open our hearts to understand what you want us to hear and to receive from you, O God, this day, that our minds will be focused on you, Lord Jesus, that you will be glorified in this uh, worship that we bring to you today, that we will come to a greater understanding and appreciation, Lord, of the work and the ministry and the power of your Holy Spirit as we have been learning so much about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Help us to focus this morning on the uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we will give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to start reading at uh, verse 15 of chapter 14, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who obeys, who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. <clears throat> then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken, uh, spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. If you've ever been to a museum or to an art gallery, you'll notice in a museum or art gallery that there's <coughs> all kinds of spotlights around. It's like there's a spotlight here, right here this morning. And there are spotlights in those museums and art galleries to uh, either to accentuate the building or to focus on the particular displays that you see within the museum or art gallery. And uh, the purpose of, that's the purpose of a spotlight. And as I think about that spotlight, I also think about the uh, work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is kind of like a spotlight. And He accentuates the work of Christ Jesus. He wants us to see the work of Jesus Christ and comes, uh, as uh, Jesus tells us here and in many places in the Scripture, that the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us see Jesus Christ and to focus our attention on Him. Not to draw attention to Himself, but to focus on Jesus. And so, uh, this morning, there's two questions we want to consider this morning as we focus on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Who is He, first of all, and what does He do? The Bible says that He is divine. He is holy. He is an active person. The executive of the Godhead, we might say. Uh, let me emphasize again that the Holy Spirit is a person. A, a specific person, not some vague influence or not some extraterrestrial ghost, but a real person. Notice how Jesus uses precise and personal pronouns to refer to the Holy Spirit. If you, you, you still have your Bibles open, you go John 14, verse 16, where he says, uh, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. He be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Then again in verse 26 of that same chapter, He says, But the counselor of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in My name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then if you jump over to chapter 16, verse 7 and eight, where he says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And then again in verse 13 of 16, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on, of his, on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you 
what is yet to come. So Jesus uses those personal pronouns to refer to him as a person. He's a person. And in the Belgic Confession, Article 11, um, it talks about the deity of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we're going to get it up here on the screen. And uh, just if you, if you notice that, it says, We believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but only proceeding from the two of them. In regard to order, the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, of one and the same essence and majesty and glory with the Father and the Son, being true and eternal God as the Holy Scripture teaches us. And so our confessions remind us that that the Holy Spirit as well as the Father and the Son is eternal God. It's as simple as that. That is who He is. It's as simple as that. First of all, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. We need to get that in our minds, that He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a merely a force or power or, or a phantom. And uh, I think one of the unfortunate leftovers of the King James Bible version, which uh, many people still read, good Bible version to read, but one of the unfortunate uh, terms that it uses there it talks about uh, Holy Ghost. And a ghost, I believe, is a poor picture of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is simply the Spirit of our Holy God, eternal God. He is part of the Godhead, the Trinity. The Holy Spirit expresses all the aspects of the wonderful personality of God. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us to repent and thrills us with a new birth and fills us with the indwelling presence of God. It is the Holy Spirit who guards us and strengthens us and encourages us and empowers us to live for God. It is the Holy Spirit who protects and sustains us spiritually and finally uh, brings us into our heavenly safely into our heavenly home. When Jesus was here on this earth, uh, in, his, as, as in His human nature, as a man, He was limited to where He could be, and so He could only be at one place at a time. And He reminds His disciples and all of us that He's going to go back to the Father, and He's going to send back to the Father and sit at the right hand of the Father. And as He does that, He says, but the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to you, so to the world, to minister effectively and personally to every person on the face of the earth. In uh, John 14, verse 16 to 18, in particular, Jesus said to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another uh, counselor or advocate, as some translations have it, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, we often think of the Holy Spirit um, in terms of Pentecost. That's what a lot of us uh, think about the Holy Spirit because it talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. But Pentecost, my friends, does not mark the appearance of the Holy Spirit in the world for the first time. Pentecost rather marks a new chapter in the work of the Holy Spirit which is occasioned by a new chapter in the church. Uh, for now, the church in the New Testament we see throughout the New Testament becomes a mission church. 
whose doors are thrown open to people of every tribe and every language and every nation. And so Jesus talks here in John 14 about the Holy Spirit as another advocate, a counselor, someone who pulls up alongside of us in order to provide strength and support and comfort and, and counsel and give us advice and teach us all the things that Jesus taught us and remind us of those things that Christ taught us. Christ will soon ascend to heaven. Uh, we're in that season of year where He's going to be ascending to heaven. And the church will continue to need the services of that kind of a counselor, that kind of an advocate, said Jesus. And that is who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Trinity. So let's talk uh, for a few moments about the work of the Holy Spirit and the implications of that work for us. As I read the Scriptures and understand the Scriptures and come to understand them over my years of ministry, um, there's a lot of things we could say about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and what He does, but I want to focus on three things in particular this morning. First of all, the Holy Spirit regenerates us. In John 14, this passage which we read, the context of this passage is at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus talks about Him being the only way, the only truth, and life. And Jesus says that the only way someone can get to heaven, the only way someone can come to the Father is through Me. No one can get to the Father except through Me. And in order to know the way, and to come to the way in order to believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, in order to have a personal relationship with Jesus, we first need to be born again. And we call this regeneration. And that is one vital function of the Holy Spirit. The word generate means to cause someone to be born, or it means to produce. It's like a generator that produces electricity. It causes electricity to be born and to be produced. To regenerate means to produce again or to cause someone to be born again. And the Bible tells us in many different places, if you know your Scriptures well enough, that we as God's people need to be regenerated. Regeneration is the starting point of Christ's great work of salvation in us. Because we are sinners, uh, fallen sinners, we need to be regenerated, the Bible says. And that's the starting point of Christ's great work of salvation in us. And it takes place in the innermost heart where the Holy Spirit creates in us this new life in Jesus Christ. By applying the blood of Christ, and you've been talking about uh, the Father, the Son. Last week, uh, Scott talked about the, uh, the Son, Christ Jesus, and We've come through the season of Good Friday and Easter where we remember the work of Jesus. And the main focus of the Scriptures is on Jesus and what He does for us and saves us from our sins by dying on that cross of Calvary for us and rising again the third day to give us power and victory over sin and death and hell. And so by applying the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit bridges the gap that sin has created between God and us. And once we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, once we have a personal relationship with Jesus, once we are regenerated, then the Bible says we have access to God the Father. Then we have access to God the Father. Let's go back to creation for a moment. 
There in Genesis 1 and 2, <clears throat> we are reminded that, that uh, uh, the first man and woman, uh, what God did was He, he uh, created the first man and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And if you read the story in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, there's a story of a perfect world in the Garden of Eden, a very perfect world. God gave us everything that we needed to please Him in the Garden of Eden. But look what happened in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve fell into sin because they listened to Satan, because they listened to the enemy, because they listened to the serpent. And what happens? Perfection was lost. And we all pay the consequences of that. And although the Bible has different ways of describing this, one of its favorite ways, as Paul does in Ephesians and also in Colossians, is to say that we are dead through our trespasses and sins. But the Bible goes on to say that because of the Father's great love and mercy, He made us alive in Jesus Christ by sending Him to the cross and rising in the third day. And He makes us alive in Christ Jesus through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, <clears throat> Jesus is talking to uh, Nicodemus and explains to him that you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You can't get into heaven unless you are born again. You can't get into the kingdom of God, he says, unless you are regenerated. Listen to the Word of God, John uh, 3 verse 5 to 8 where he says, uh, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. <clears throat> the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. A long time ago, John Bunyan, an English author and preacher, wrote, he once said, uh, an egg is not a chicken by falling from a hen, nor is a man a Christian till he is born again. So the very first thing the Holy Spirit does, part of His work is to regenerate us. Secondly, the Spirit sanctifies us. As the giver of, of uh, new life and regeneration, so that we're born again, the Holy Spirit, you see, doesn't stop there. He continues to nurture our new life in Christ, our new life of faith into conversion and growth in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and everything that God teaches us. The Holy Spirit is not satisfied until the original paradise purposes of God that we find in Genesis 1 and 2 are realized in and through believers. And so once the Holy Spirit has led a sinner to salvation, He begins the long, hard task and work of restoring the believer to perfection in Christ. We call that the work of sanctification. To sanctify means to make holy. And you know what? It's an ongoing process throughout life from the day that we're born until the day that we're, we die, 
The Holy Spirit is busy at work trying to make us more and more like Jesus every day and to, to, so that we reflect Jesus wherever we go and to work in us, to sanctify us, to make us holy. And we could look at a lot of scriptures in that where it talks about sanctification, but I want to reference uh, two of them in particular this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, first of all, verse 11, where it says, And that is what some of you were, but, but, but. That's an important but. But you were washed, he said. As he talks about, he's talking there about lawsuit among uh, believers and the things that we do wrong and trying to do all that stuff and the sins that we commit. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 where he says, to God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. And so uh, what the Holy Spirit does is through the Word of God, which is the basic tool that we have, uh, the basic teaching tool is the Word of God, The Spirit then deepens our understanding and our holiness and our devotion and our love to the Lord and to His kingdom cause. He teaches us how to glorify God daily with our lives by following Jesus Christ each and every day of our life, step by step, minute by minute. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching." So if you love Jesus and you follow Him, you and I will obey His teaching. And through the renewing power of the Holy Spirit within us, we are able to do the Lord's will in our present life. Through the Holy Spirit, our life begins to take shape in a new direction, to become more and more like Jesus, so that we may glorify God the Father every day of our lives. And we do that. Uh, that means we've got to read the Bible. We've got to study the Bible so we understand how to live because this is, our, this is kind of like our, our, our manual for living daily life. Right? It's our manual for living daily life. You want to learn how to live your daily life? Read this book. Read the Bible every day of your life. Read it. You will learn how to live your life for Jesus and how to follow Him and how to obey His teaching. We need to pray to God. We need to come to church like we do. We need to get involved in small groups. We need to get involved in ministries. We need to get involved in missions. And that's how we learn more about God and learn how we can follow Him. And even though we do battle with sin daily because the enemy, the prince of the world that Jesus referred to, he is busy out there trying to destroy us and you and I recognize the power of the enemy. We recognize the power of Satan. We recognize the power that the devil has over us. But you know what? Maybe sometimes we focus too much on the power of the enemy and not enough on the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? 
And so we should be careful not to make light of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4, the other book of John, that greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, when uh, uh, my kids were growing up, and they're all growing up, they're all, they all got their own kids now, but uh, I taught them this song, uh, uh, Bigger Than Any Mountain. Maybe you remember that. I mean, uh, old school, right? I'm old school. So uh, that's stuff that we learned. And I taught my kids. And part of the lyrics in that song said, God is bigger than any fears. God is bigger than any problems. God is any, bigger than any mountains that I can or cannot face. And so when we become down and discouraged in life, we need, or we, we, we're faced with challenges. We're faced with mountains in life. Challenges that sometimes look like uh, mountains we cannot climb, we cannot get over, we cannot get, get through. When we're faced with those kind of difficulties in life and challenges in life and whatever opportunities we have in life, we need to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is bigger than all of that. The Holy Spirit is bigger than our fears. The Holy Spirit is bigger than our problems. The Holy Spirit is bigger than any mountain that we can or cannot face. He is more powerful and what we need to do is focus on the Holy Spirit. And when we focus on the Holy Spirit, we will become overcomers. And we need to remind ourselves every day that we belong to Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again the third day. We belong to Jesus, and there's nothing the enemy can do to destroy us or take us down. Amen? Remember, He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets us free to live in the victory of Jesus every day of our life. And so the Holy Spirit regenerates us, He sanctifies us, and thirdly, the Holy Spirit equips and empowers us. Once we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and He starts reshaping our lives more in the likeness of Jesus, then He comes alongside of us and equips us and empowers us. He becomes our counselor. He becomes the advocate that Jesus said. And so He comes alongside of us, He equips us, He empowers us to be involved in God's mission here on this earth. To be involved in what God calls us to do here on this earth. And that mission, Jesus gave very clearly before He left and ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father. In Matthew 28, you know it. It's the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is just before his ascension. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
That's our mission. That's our task. That's what God calls us to do. God commissions us to share the good news with our little section of the world. And that may start in our families. It may start with, maybe it starts with ourselves. It starts with our families. It's in our little section. We need to be His ambassadors, to be His vessels by pointing people to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I have four children who are all married, and I have seven grandkids. And so part of my responsibility as a parent, my role was to teach them and point them to Jesus so that they would follow Jesus. And I can uh, praise God today that all of my kids and their spouses and all my grandkids are walking with the Lord today. Uh, But uh, that's our responsibility that God calls us first to do that, to tell them about Jesus. Uh, Our mission challenge is urgent. Jesus says, go and tell them about me. Go and tell uh, tell others about Jesus. That's not my words. That's the word Jesus said before he went back to heaven. He said, this is your responsibility. Go and tell others about me and what I have done. Go and tell. Get involved in missions wherever you are, in your home, or across the street, or in your classroom, or in the next cubicle, <coughs> cubicle or office at work, or maybe even on the other side of the world. Wherever God calls you in His mission, He says, go and tell others about me. And the book of Acts reminds us that God's mission is both local and global, where Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we see that throughout the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament and throughout the ages. That's our mandate too. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one who will equip us and empower us to carry out that mission with confidence and with boldness in obedience to Jesus Christ as we learn to follow Him. That, my friends, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. With Him, we can turn a world upside down. With Him, we can change the world. With Him, we can change our communities. With Him, we can change our neighborhoods. With Him, we can change our families. With Him, we can shine God's light into a dark world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ. We, with Him, we can show them the way, the truth, and the life. And so there you have it. The Trinity. One God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perhaps still a mystery, because it is. We won't understand everything about it, and that's good, because that's why He's God and we aren't. And so maybe it's still a mystery for you and for me, but hopefully through this series that you have been walking through and learning more about the Trinity, you have come to a better understanding of the Trinity and the God who loves us so very much. To Him be all the glory. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, today we celebrate the gift of your Holy Spirit. We celebrate the Holy Spirit, O God. Father, please make us the hands and feet of your invisible Spirit. And like your Spirit, make us invisible. 
so that the light of Christ Jesus may shine through us wherever we go, wherever we are. Dear Father, may the moving of Your Spirit not be to us a chasing after wind, but a, a warm breeze of hope and life. May the church of Jesus Christ act as one body to bring love, joy, and Your holy truth to every generation and people. And we, may we also have the wisdom to receive these things graciously. Praise and glory and honor and thanks be to You, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.